If you have a Bible, let me encourage you to open that Bible to Romans chapter 8. We're not quite sure what our computer is doing, but we don't need it today. So let me uh, read for you the first verse of Romans chapter 8. There is, therefore, now, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is the the, uh, conclusion of what we looked at last week in chapter 7. If you remember, chapter 7 started out with a powerful illustration that was almost so powerful it took over the passage. It started out with the illustration of, of a wife whose husband had died and how that she was no longer now married to him. She was free. But we recognized in that very illustration there was a tension that even though she was legally free, there were, there were challenges related to her life that that legal decision uh, did not completely uh, uh, make where, where she could go on. She had to reckon and work through those challenges. And, and although it's a, a powerful illustration, it can almost distract us from what Paul is, is stating clearly in, uh, in the language of Romans chapter 7. And so Paul starts into a section toward the end of chapter 7 where he says, here's what my problem was. And he says, the things that I wanted to do, I didn't do. The things that I, that I, that I did do were not the things I wanted to do. I was trying to, to live out what God wanted me to do in my own strength. And I knew what the law said, and the law was good. And I acknowledged it as good. There was another law much greater, and that was the law within me, the law of sin. And he he sums it up very well in chapter 7. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me? What hope is there for me from this body of death? What am I going to do? And then verse 25, as, as, as a bugle sounding on the horizon, as a hopeful charge from the forces that are coming to rescue and to save us, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's not through me, but it's through Christ. And I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And that brings us to where we're at in chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I recommend uh, uh, you, you make that your verse for chapter 8. Sort of. 
I, I could also recommend that you make another verse your verse for chapter 8. Turn over to the end of chapter 8 to verse 31. What shall we say then? If God be for us, who can be against us? Yeah, that, that's a better verse. We'll go with that one instead of verse 1 of chapter 8. We're going to go with that one. That's a better verse. Well, now, just before we settle on that one, uh, we could look at verse 28. For we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purposes. So, you know, pick and choose. Uh, I, I was telling Ron Creston before uh, we started today, I said, you know, I, I've got the unimitable task of trying to uh, develop all of Romans chapter 8 in, in one message. And, and Ron says, divide it up. Coward, coward, uh, you know. It, it's just so easy to do. But, but seriously, this is one of the great chapters in all the Bible. In fact, if you were going to memorize one chapter in the Bible, I would ask you to strongly consider memorizing this one chapter. It is so full of truth, so full of, of powerful statements from God about where we stand in him. So I want to start kind of back in verse 1, our first key verse, and I want to somehow get to verse 28, our second key verse, and I want to somehow get to verse 31, our last key verse, and I want to see how all of these statements link together to tell us a great truth that we all need to just know. There is now no condemnation. That, that word now is seriously important to this verse. Uh, there, we, we hear a lot of talk about what we're going to get when we get to heaven. And a lot of us were presented the gospel like this. How many of you would like to go to heaven someday? Oh, oh, oh I'd like to go to heaven someday. Uh, I heard about a Sunday school teacher that was teaching that in their class and said, how many of you kids would like to go to heaven someday? And, and, and one of the kids just kind of held his arm down and, 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 and she said, Are you, you, you don't want to go to heaven? And, and the little kid said, well, I... I would like to, but I thought you were asking for volunteers right now. <laughs> well, this verse says, now. In fact, I want you to see that word now several times as we walk through this passage. This verse is talking about something that is true of you even if you don't know it. It's true of you. If you have put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, these statements are true of you even if you don't know them to be true of you. On uh, June 4th of uh, 1982, I uh, gave a gift to my wife-to-be, Charlene Deal. I gave her a Bible, and on the front of that Bible was printed her name, Charlene Hardy. I thought... Tomorrow she's going to need a new Bible because her old one's got the wrong name on it. And everybody knows you have to have your name on the front of the Bible so when you leave it at church, the janitor knows who to give it to. And so, uh, so I got her name on the front of that book, that Bible, and I gave it to her. And the next day we went to the front of a church and, and we were uh, married and there was a license signed and, and we became husband and wife. That was sealed. I saw a video this week. 
uh, an unbelievable video. In fact, it was so good, I had to share it with someone. And so I sent it to Aaron Tarwater. And it was a video of a little girl, about eight, nine years old. And uh, two people were standing on either side of her. And it was her birthday, and they were giving her birthday gifts. And, and they gave her this box. They said, we have one last gift to give you. And, uh, and so she, she opened up the box, and it was filled with all that kind of paper stuff that you have. And, and, and in the bottom of it, there was a, there was a frame. And, uh, and she turned over the frame, and the man in the picture says, read what it says. And the, the picture inside the frame said, I have been adopted. And that little girl read just the first half of that phrase, I have been adopted. And she looked at the woman on the one side, and she looked at the man on the other side. And she says, really? And it was just a beautiful, beautiful video. And, and I watched it, and I thought, you know, that little girl, uh, her world changed when those papers were signed. Uh, she uh, still is of a different ethnic background than the man on one side and the woman on the other side, but that doesn't make any difference because before the courts of the world, she is their daughter, fully adopted. That's what this verse is. This is a statement, a statement of an adoptive truth about you. Now! Before God, there is now no condemnation. How many of you do something, you feel guilty, you think, I wonder what God's going to think of me now? I've had that experience so many times in my life where I've done something, I thought, I wonder what God thinks of me. I'll tell you what God thinks of you. God thinks the same thing he thought of you before you did that. He loves you. He cares you. And, and that that you did was already placed on Christ thousands of years ago when he went to a cross and he died in your place. There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now from this point in that first verse, Paul begins to talk about this, this whole challenge of, 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 of the, the flesh of the law and the law of God, and with the mind I serve the, the law of God and with the flesh. And, and he starts talking about this whole thing, and, and in verse 2 he lays it out really clear. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. The spirit is life, sin is death. And, and he goes down through this passage in verse 3, verse 4, verse 5, verse 6, and he starts talking about this whole thing of death and this whole thing of life and the contrast between the two and this new arrangement I have where through God in Christ he views me through the Spirit of God that takes up residence within me. Jesus himself said to his disciples, I'm going to send you another comforter. I'm going to send you a spirit, the, the Holy Spirit, who's going to indwell you. And Paul is talking about that very idea right here in this passage. Look, if you will, all the way down to verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, well, why is that so important? Look at verse 8. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. 
Now, a lot of people look at this passage and say, well, you know, there's two different ways of living the spiritual life. You can live the spiritual life uh, indwelt by the Spirit of God, or you can live the spiritual life uh, uh, in your flesh, in your own choices. That's not at all what Paul's saying, because look at how he states it again in verse 9. You are not in the flesh. Even when you live fleshly, you are not in the flesh. I had a friend in high school. His name was Brad Campbell. Brad Campbell graduated fourth in our class. He was smarter than me. Uh, he was a really bright guy, and uh, he was one of my friends, and I would spend time with him. And I always thought hanging out with Brad Campbell was probably a pretty good idea because Brad might help my GPA because uh, he, he studied more than I studied. And Brad had a certain number of different mannerisms and different things like that about him and such. And one night I was sitting around the dinner table, and this actually happened several different times, but on one particular night I remember sitting around the dinner table, and my dad looked at me and he says, Brian, you're acting like Brad Campbell. I could tell that bothered my dad just a little bit that I was acting like Brad Campbell. I, I to this day, don't know quite what exactly it was that was striking him off that, that I was acting like Brad Campbell, but, but I said, what's wrong with Brad? Nothing about you, Brad McNary, but what's wrong with Brad? And my dad said to me these words that I've not forgotten. He's not my son. Now, Brad has been a productive citizen. My dad actually built Brad and his wife a home years later. And they've lived in that home since that time and now. Brad has been active in his church. Brad has walked with the Lord. Uh, Brad has uh, raised a good family that walks with God. But no matter what Brad does, he will never be my father's son. And I am. And I am. Here, Paul is wanting to make perfectly clear to you that idea. You are his child. And the reality is, those that are in the flesh cannot please God. Those that do not know God, those who do not have a faith relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter how many good things they do in this world, they will never become children of God by their actions. No. No. Verse 10 makes it very, very clear. Verse 9 makes it very, very clear. You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God is in you, now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Jesus said it this way, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And if Christ is in you, verse 10, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. No matter how you're behaving, this is the reality of who you are. No matter how you're acting, this is the reality of who you are. 
my wife and I will watch movies every now and then on television. We'll enjoy watching movies, and, and we'll, we'll notice a character. And, and, and it, if Amanda isn't there, because if Amanda's there, we don't need to do this, but we'll say, who is that person? And we often add the phrase, in real life. And then we'll start going through IMD what is it, IMD or whatever, I, the website that lists all these movies and all these actors, and, and then you figure out who they are, and then you figure out the other movies they've been in, and you figure out who they really are. Not the character they're playing, who they really are. A lot of you are playing a character that you're not. When are you going to start being the person God made you to be. That's the real issue. It's not you need to work harder to be a righteous person. You need to work harder to do the kind of things that will please God. You just need to be who God made you to be. Stop being that phony person. Stop being that phony person that that Christ died for. And, and that, that, that phony is dead. I don't know if I can do that. Look at verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors. Not to the flesh. To live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But the Spirit... Put to death the deeds. You live. Be who you are. Now, down in verse 15, he, he uh, walks through something that is just a, an amazing way to look at this. He says, if you didn't, you didn't receive the spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom you cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself who bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, Jesus explains this so well in John chapter 8. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what, what you will and, 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 and it'll be in you. And, and, and the crowd listening to him was talking about this whole thing of what it means to remain in Christ. And so Jesus gave a, a very simple illustration to help them to understand what it meant to remain in Christ. He, he referred to the owner of a house. And he says that owner of a house has servants that serve there. And so they go and they serve. They, they bring in the food. They bring in the water. They bring in the sheets. They serve there. And they do all kinds of things serving there in that house. But they don't ever remain they might even live there. They might get mail there, but they don't remain. What does it mean they don't remain? Jesus gave the punchline to the illustration. The Son remains. We've all seen the picture, haven't we, of JFK studying his office in the White House, and there underneath the desk is his little boy playing. Everyone else came into that room to work. They were reporting to the president, to the United States of America. But his boy was on the floor 
friend, you're a child of God. Be who you are. Christ's very blood was spilled to make it possible for you to be this child. Live like who he called you to be. Well, he, how, how easy is that going to be? Well, he goes on to say here in Romans that, that there's, there's, this, there's this witness between us and the Spirit and the Spirit and God and this witness between God and the Spirit and us and the Spirit. And it says we, we communicate with groanings that cannot be uttered. And we've all seen those kinds of things in our own family. There's just little family jokes if you're part of our family that we all get, we all understand, we all know, but you're not part of our family so you don't get it when you're at our house. In fact, we might even be laughing at you. But anyhow, we're not going to talk about that anymore. But there, there's, this, there's this family connection where the Spirit of God speaks through us, through us to the Father, and from the Father to us with groanings that cannot describe for me exactly what the spiritual life is like. I, I can't explain it. I'm, I'm, I just live it as God lives through me. It's, it's, it's a powerful thing. And if we're children, then we're heirs. And if we're heirs of God, we're joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, then we'll also be glorified together. Now what's this suffering that he's talking about? Well, I think the suffering that he's talking about is that the problematic issues that we go through in this life cause us to understand more deeply what Christ went through on the cross for us. And there's, there's a sense in which as we go through difficulties in this life, they, they foreshadow or they, or they reshadow or they, they help us to grasp exactly what it meant when Christ suffered on that cross making payment for our sin. And so that these, these momentary light afflictions remind us of what Jesus did on our behalf. But if we suffered with him, if we understand the cross and we really see where Christ died and we really see where that, that, that death that he died identified totally with us, how much more will we be glorified together with him? In fact, I, I, I say the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. For the whole creation is waiting for this. The revealing of the sons of God. The creation was subjected to futility. Not willingly, but out of him who subjected it in hope. And the creation itself will be delivered from this bondage. God is going to redeem this world. And not only that, but we who have the first fruits of the Spirit eagerly wait for the same. Now you might look at me and you say, you don't look like a child of God. I'm not supposed to. (laughs) In one sense, because it says, hope that is seen is not hope. You look at me and you think, how in the world could that guy ever live in heaven? And I think the same thing every now and then. I look at myself and I think, how in the world could I ever live in heaven? And the reality is, hope that is seen is not hope. For why would you still hope for that? But if we eagerly wait for it with perseverance, you know, God isn't yet finished with me. But he is going to get done with me one of these days. He is going to complete the good work that he has started in me. 
How do I know that? Because we know all things work together for good to those who love God. What Paul does in that statement is phenomenal. Up to this point in Romans, the only love that Paul has expressed as he has theologically developed the themes that he's developed is God's love for us. For, for God commended his love toward us. God uh, poured out his love in the Holy Spirit. Every time up to this point in time when the love has been brought up as a subject matter, it's been God's love for us. But this is the first time that in the book of Romans that Paul turns the table and says, and we love God. Those who love God. Those who are the called according to his purposes. What is God's purposes? To build a relationship with us. And so what God does, God loves us to love us so that he might love us to love us some more. So he might love us to love us some more with the hope that one day we will turn to him and love back. And here in Romans 8, 28, we begin to love him back. Which was God's plan all along. What's interesting to note is that in Romans chapter 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16, Every time the subject of love is brought up, it's always brought up of our love for God, for God's family, for God's people, for God's church. And every time it's brought up after Romans chapter 12, it's brought up with the emphasis being how we might be loving. In other words, this is God's work. This is the relationship we have with him. He has loved us, and his goal is that that love would fill us so full that it would spill over and we would become loving toward others. Wow. That's some kind of a plan, isn't it? Well, it, it is a pretty good plan. Because look at how the plan is completed in 28, 29, and 30. Whom he did foreknow, then he called, whom he called, he justified, whom he justified, he sanctified, he sanctified, he glorified. There's a, there's a five-step plan, and by the way, he also is what is said on every one of these. Look at, look at you will, in your Bible. It, it starts in verse 29, it says, whom he foreknew, he also, he also, he also, he also, he also. And that word glorified is the last in the series. And that word glorified has only appeared one other time in Romans and it's earlier in this very same chapter when it says our sufferings are not worthy to be compared with the glory every now and then I'll go shopping with my wife We'll go grocery shopping. And uh, she'll be putting things in the cart. And especially when the kids were younger, I would think to myself, does she realize how full this cart is? And, and sometimes I thought maybe she was going to have to go back and get a second cart 
How much can you put in a cart? Let me ask you a question about Romans chapter 8. Do you realize how full your cart is? God's love for you? Do you realize how much he has put into knowing you, into, into having a relationship with you, in, in, in his investment into you as a person so that he might love you more and more and more and more and more? That's where we get to verse 31. What shall we say to these things? If Seth Curry is on my team, who cares who's on the other team? If LeBron James is on my team, who cares who's on the other team? I just got to say it because I'm a Chiefs fan. If Patrick Mahomes is on my team, who cares who's on the other team? That's what he's saying here. But he's saying it in a bigger way than we could ever say it. If God be for us, who can be against us? I watched KU and K-State yesterday. With about five minutes to go, they were both behind by four points. I knew one of those teams would win, and I knew one of those teams would lose. And I was right. And I was right. Because I know who coaches the guys in purple. The right coach makes all the difference. If God is on your side, if God is on your side, and he is, And he is. And he is. In all these things, we are more than victors. than conquers through him who loved us. See, this is true of you even if you don't know it. But if you know it, <laughs> it changes your whole attitude toward what's happening. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to... God's going to take care of you. That's what's going to happen tomorrow. And the day after that, God's going to take care of you. And the day after that, God's going to take care of you. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's going to do it because that's who he is. He's God and he loves you. I was uh, disturbed with my children who were in the yard doing the strange things that eight, nine, 10, and 11-year-old kids do. The church parsonage was directly next door to the church. 
And, uh, and I was thinking to myself, what if somebody from the church would drive by right now while my children are doing this? I was stressed. And this dude goes walking by and he observed me. This guy was uh, without a home, without a family, without any real means of, uh, of, of, of providing for himself. And he saw me stressing out over my children. By the way, I was employed, I had a job, and I was uh, doing my job. And he walked by and he looked at me and he said, Hey, dude, take a chill pill. <laughs> and my son, who was this close to a whooping, <laughs> I said, did you hear him, Dad? <laughs> oh, man. Hey, 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 hey. God loves you. Take a chill pill. Take a chill pill. It's going to be okay. I don't know what he's going to do. It's going to be okay. He's got a plan. I didn't mean I know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I know this. He foreknew you. He predestined you. He called you, he justified you, and he's going to get it done. He's going to glorify you. Why? That's just how he loves. And to quote Andy Reid, that's how he rolls. That's how he rolls. Father, thank you. The way you roll is that you take care of your own. Take care of your kids. Your kids matter more to you than the universe. Than the whole universe. And that's why you put your son on a cross. And that's why we pause here at this point in the service to just remember how much this God loves us. And if you didn't spare your own son, but freely delivered him up for us all, how will you not also with him freely give us all things? There's nothing that's going to hold you back from taking care of us. And even if we don't see it right now, we hope in it, Because hope that is seen is not hope at all. Oh, one day we'll see it. But we hope in it now. Because it's real. It's as real as you are yourself. Because it's founded in the character of who you are. There is therefore now no condemnation. For all things work together for good to those who love God. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen.